Hello and welcome to the Arsenal Way back again with you guys for another one of our interview shows. Make sure, of course, if you haven't already, to subscribe to the channel to be getting plenty more of the content coming through the airwaves about the Gunners. But today we're here to talk about William Saliba and a little sprinkling of Matteo Genduzzi as well. To do that, I'm very happy to be joined by French football expert Jeremy Smith. How do you, mate? Are you well? Yeah, I'm good, thanks. How are you? Yes, very good. Well... I say very good. When I talk about Saliba and Genduzi, there's always a, a slight edge to the conversation, an edge of, of regret, an edge of, you know, I, I don't know what the right word is, a little bit of embarrassment, I suppose, sometimes that Arsenal let these players of such talent leave sometimes. But then there's a little bit of justification that comes through with some of the behaviour, although both of them, you have to say, have been behaving pretty well. I mean, for Genduzi's standards, he's been, he's been better than he, we've known him to be, but I'm sure we'll get into a lot of that and more. We're going to kick off, of course, Jeremy, by talking about just the just Marseille in general, I think is a good place to start, being where they've both moved to under Jorge Sampaoli this season. And they play one of the strangest formations and systems I've, I've seen uh, of a football team, but it's entertaining to watch. Yeah, they've been, I mean, obviously I'm, I'm slightly biased and I'm always looking to sort of promote it, but League A so far this season has been excellent. There's been some really good football, some sort of epic matches, and there's been probably more than usual, um, maybe down to the coaches, but quite a few club teams who are sort of really looking to to get the ball down and play some decent attacking football. I think in the past, league has been criticised for being a little bit too defensively minded, and maybe coaches sort of, you know, willing to take the point rather than go for the three points, that kind of thing. But there's a lot more sort of open coaches this year, and and obviously San Paoli, as everyone knows from his sort of past and his kind of you know, being a Bielsa disciple for all the good and bad that that brings. He's he's one of those coaches that are promoting that. And Marseille have not always been the greatest to watch. I mean, they're always a good club to follow because there's always a great sort of soap opera there attached to them. But the football hasn't always been good in recent years. But this year, it's been fantastic to watch. And again, sort of for better or worse, there's, it's not all been good, but mm. it's been fun. And um, yeah, the formation's been a sort of, for the most part, a kind of three-three-three-one, but it's the one that's bizarre because, um, you know, for a lot of the time, Payet has been playing as that one, and he's not really a obviously a centre forward. They've um, Dieng has come in as this sort of revelation and done very well. Milik's just returning from injury, so you know maybe he'll make that position his own now. But that's one of the things that's been lacking—a a sort of really reliable finisher to put the ball in the net. So yeah, it's been an interesting start. Yeah, uh, very interesting, of course, as well, seeing Genduzi and Saliba very much part of that 3-3-3-1. Uh, I remember me and you had a few chats over the summer about this deal and the idea of Saliba moving to to Marseille. And being a Brighton fan yourself, with Arsenal going for Ben White, not only bringing him in, but giving him Saliba's number as well, You, I'm right in saying that you felt that Ben White wasn't necessarily a big upgrade on the player that they were letting leave to Marseille. I don't think he's any upgrade. <laughs> <laughs> I was being polite. Are you sure? Go. <laughs> I don't. I don't think he's any worse. Um, but I, I think you know, if you've already spent thirty million on a player, it just seems very strange to me to then spend another fifty when you could sort of use that elsewhere, and you've got a player who's just as good. And you know, we, we've seen all the different arguments for and against. And one of the ones that I see the most is 
but Ben White has played 50 games or not 50, but whatever it was last year, 36 games in the Premier League. Saliba hasn't. It's sort of, I understand it, but it's kind of a non-argument because it's kind of circular. Saliba hasn't played those games because Arsenal haven't played him. So now you can't really say, well, Arsenal can't play him because he hasn't played them. Do you know what I mean? It's, it's yeah, a bit yeah. confusing to me. But, you know, he has played a lot of games Yes, sort of stop start because of injuries, but he's now played a lot of games for Saint Etienne. Um, you know, good half season last year for Nice, really helping them to get back on track. They were in a mess when he arrived, and he's done he's done very well starting for Marseille. And I do understand, obviously, that um, both for Arsenal and Saliba himself, the the sort of um, the benefits of him of him going to Marseille. He's getting European experience. He's playing in the top flight. He's playing in a club with a lot of pressure. He's getting used to playing with a very big sort of demanding crowd behind him. Um, but maybe, you know, with not quite the same spotlight that he would have in the Premier League. So um, I do still hope he comes good at Arsenal. And, and maybe we will look back on this year and say, you know, maybe it was a sensible decision all round. Well, I mean, uh, Fabrizio Romano tweeted that Arsenal have kind of put their trust in him and that he knows that Arsenal see him as a as a long-term option. But the longer he doesn't play at Arsenal, the, the less time remains on his contract. And to convince a player that you've not given any kind of opportunity in, in three years to, to sign a new deal is going to be an interesting conversation to have when that does come round. But he's been playing on the right-hand side of this back three. Now, from what I watch, and obviously when I watch other teams play with a back three, it's a, it's a strange kind of back three because he operates nearly sometimes as kind of a right back and kind of moves to that right-hand side of the defence that you see a right back operating. And it's quite spread apart, which leaves Marseille obviously very open to the counter-attack quite often. Do you think that this is, and what he's learning playing this kind of unorthodox right centre-back position, is he going to be able to take those traits into an Arsenal side that, notoriously play with a, a back four right now I think um yeah as you said I mean <laughs> that's the other thing about San Paoli it's sort of a three 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 one but it's very fluid and, and often yeah. you look at like I don't know transfer marks versus who scored versus Lekip and you look at their formations and no one seems to know sort of how to how to set them out and I was looking like just before we came on at, at the last match against Lille and, and I think one of them had it still was three at the back and the other one had it as a flat four. And, yeah. and yeah, I mean, I suppose in a way it's, it's a good thing for Saliba because he's kind of learning both those positions. He's also learning to have to sort of starting one, but covering another. Um, I think it's also helping him maybe develop his concentration, which I think might be one of those areas of his that he does need to improve on. Mm. Um, for me, he's definitely still a centre back and whether it's as a two or a three, I think that that's definitely where he's at his strongest. I don't, I think he's, you know, he's quick, but I think he's, you know, maybe slightly too big and cumbersome. And th this comes from, you know, a Dan Byrne fan, but um, <laughs> possibly to, to, to really be a, a top quality fullback. But um, I think it's probably helping him, him learn a lot to have to sort of cover that position as well. And frankly, I think he's a better fullback than what Marseille have got, but that says more about, who they've got a fullback rather than who is their other fullback that they've got available? Then they bring in a right, didn't they bring someone in this summer? I think it was Lirola who's playing there yeah. at the moment. 
Um, so is obviously a better option. It's, it seems at the moment. That's yeah. why they're going for that back three. Yeah, it's the the kind of the biggest thing that stood out for me this season. Looking at a lot of his statistics, is how successfully his passing and distribution out from the back is excellent. Like his passes into the final third are still in the ninety percentages. It's a crazy accurate stat for a centre back to be showing this much kind of progression, frequency of passing, and accuracy in those areas. And that's obviously the, the San Paoli way to try and get the ball up the pitch as, as kind of fast as possible and using those centre-backs as, as part of that creation. But when you look at the way Arsenal are playing right now, Ben White, we know, is, is a great distributor of the ball. Gabriel's doing his work in that position as well. Tommy Asu's coming, is great at playing the ball out, and we know that Tinny loves to bomb forwards. Those attributes that Saliba's learning through his passing do seem like he would fit straight into an Arteta style of centre-back, doesn't it? That's that's one of the reasons why I've just never understood this mm. this thing about not giving him a chance because, you know, right from when he started and first appeared on the scene as a kid at Saint-Etienne, it was clear that it wasn't just the defensive ability, it was the footballing ability, um, even able to, to bring the football forward, you know, dribble, dribble it out at his feet. Um, you know, maybe arguably he should be sort of let off the leash to, to attack a little bit more than he does. But yeah, he's always had that, that good vision and passing ability. So... Um, I think there again, it's just sort of a chart, a case of him sort of continuing to to progress and and sort of fulfil the potential that he's shown right from the start. Defensively, how has he been doing? Because we can focus on kind of the 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 exuberance of a centre back that a modern day centre back has, which Saliba we know possesses. But defensively, I know he's been fairly okay but there was a game I think it was was it the weekend before the Europa League fixture against Lons that he really did struggle in, in that one. Yeah, he's sort of his form is in a way it's kind of very much mirrored Marseille's or Marseille has mirrored his, I guess. Like he started brilliantly, looking really assured in defence. And and there again, like considering who's been playing next to him, it hasn't always been consistent. Um what's his name? Perez, I think it is on the left side. It's looked really dodgy to me. Um, and then he's had, you know, sometimes Alvaro, sometimes Coletta. So it hasn't been that consistent always next to him. So I, th- I think he's, again, looked sort of, if not the most senior player, definitely sort of the most consistent, if you want. But yeah, the last couple of matches he's looked, I don't know if it's tiredness. I mean, for me, it's just the fact of playing for a Sam Pauli team that just the intensity, not just physical, but just having that guy screaming at you. you know, for, I mean, 90 minutes during a match, but God knows what it's like during the week in training as well. Like, you know, mm. I just, it must be mentally wearing. And I think the international breaks come at a good time for a lot of the team. But yeah, it's definitely been shown in um, Saliba's last couple of matches. You, you said against Lance, there were... Mm. Two of the goals were arguably his fault. The first was a penalty for a handball, but he was the one who sort of played the defence into trouble with a, a bit of a silly pass um, sort of back into the area. And then the last goal, um, you know, he was caught out with a, someone nipping in in front of him to, to head home. And then arguably the, I don't know if they're his fault, but both goals against Lille, he was sort of the nearest defender. So, you know, the, the last one in the last minute, to be fair, Marseille were pushing forward. So he was caught out a bit and we're just come on a lot of sort of fresher, beat him for pace. But the first one, again, arguably sort of Jonathan David sort of just nipped in ahead of him and maybe he, sh- he should have been aware of what was, you know, what was coming behind him. So that's the kind of area he needs to improve at. But it, it does feel like it's sort of, part of the the whole at Marseille and and so you know he is still a kid he is kind of setting a tone but I guess at some point as well you're going to be carried away by everything else going on at the club 
Last couple of things on on him. The, he was dropped for the game against Angers. Um, they brought in I think Belledi. Obviously, has been playing quite a bit, and but they they can't. I think they from what I, I know we were talking earlier about the, the difficulty it is to identify the, the system used. But I think it was Jordan Amavi, Kaletakar, um, Belledi, and uh, is it Larola that the right back uh, that they've used. And so it's that to me strikes as a back four. I didn't see the game, so maybe you had to tell me otherwise. But that strikes me as four players with two full backs and two centre backs. Yeah, so, yeah. Yeah, that do, you think, right do you think that system change was the reason why he was dropped or do you think it was the performance against Lons that meant that Sam Pauli felt he he was deserving of being dropped for the game? Uh, well, I think that match came before Lons. So oh, did it? For some yeah. reason on my screen it's showing up as the other way around. That's, oh, no, you are right. I can't tell dates correctly. Well, he's, he, okay, let's let's phrase it differently. He was dropped for that game uh, prior to the Marseille fixture, came back in for, for Lons and Galatasaray, and then, of course, you're talking about the game against Lille, in which they obviously they went down to 10 men later on in the fixture, but still conceding two goals to, to Jonathan David that you covered. Do you think that Sam Pauli's the type that if you have that game like he has against Lons, that he would say, look, to drop him in, in certain fixtures? Or do you think that he's very much looking at Saliba as the guy that he's he's putting a lot of responsibility on being his leading man in that defence? I think, I mean, I think it's very difficult to second guess Sam Pauli, but he's, yeah. um, you know, he has played people in strange positions. Like I said, Perez, who hasn't looked always great, but centre-back, which is his position, he plays in the other day as a, as a left wing-back. And, and for me, that, that really didn't work at all. So, um, you know, God knows what's going on in his head. But um, I think, as I said, because some of the other sort of centre-back positions have chop, chopped and changed so much, generally mm. Saliba has been the, the sort of most consistent player there. And, and the Angers one, to be completely honest, I don't remember if he was dropped or rested or he was carrying a knock. He was on the bench. But um, so, yeah, I, I, it, it might have just been giving him a breather as possible, especially with, like you said, with the Europa matches sort of beginning around then as well. Um, I don't, I, I'm surprised because I thought Alvaro was the player that San Paoli would build his defence around and he very much yeah. hasn't done that. So, no. yeah, for me, Saliba has been the, the sort of most consistent starter there. And, and as long as he keeps up his performances, which, like we said, the last couple of matches, not quite the standard of what he's shown beforehand. But if he can maintain his, his you know, best quality performances, an element of leadership on the pitch as well, then um, I think he is the kind of player that San Paoli can show more faith in. Mm. And he was the uh, captain for the under twenty one French sides the other day as well, which shows what that it's worth. Yeah, yes, <laughs> whatever, for whatever the captain's armband is worth these days. Well, um, I didn't mean that. I just meant I, don't I did. There's that as well, and especially yeah. actually, the, you know, it's not. I think it's been a different captain every match so far this campaign. Mm. So it certainly doesn't mean too much. But I meant more that I don't think the defence had much to do during the match. Sure. Yeah, I mean, as an Arsenal fan, seeing a Bamiang as your captain, you, you don't put as much stock in leadership skills for the armband these days. Um, but in regard, uh, lastly on Saliba, one of the things that we noticed when he was alone at Nice was that every single week I felt like I was reporting on a new Saliba interview that he'd conducted and spoken about either Arteta or the club or frustrations of not playing. But it's been radio silence pretty much whilst at Marseille. He's been very quiet, just kind of got on with things. Is that... Do you think that's a difference through himself choosing not to do that or just the opportunity hasn't arisen yet or he's just kind of just knuckling down and getting on with things? I think, I mean, I, 
to to be fair, I haven't seen as many interviews, but I'm probably not mm. looking out for them as much as, as you are. But um, you know, as as we said at the start, I can certainly understand his frustration. And yeah. I don't know what his thinking is sort of long term. He might have, you know, in his head, maybe he's already cut his ties with Arsenal, or maybe, as you said, maybe he's just thinking, I'll keep my mouth shut, I'll knuckle down, and then, you know, I'll I'll make myself sort of un unsellable or, or whatever. Yeah. I, don't, I don't know. But, you know, I suppose now, maybe last season, it was sort of half a season. It wasn't quite a bonus, but considering he'd missed half of it, then he was on loan, maybe it felt a little bit different this year on loan the whole season for you know with respect to last season's version of Nice Marseille are obviously a, a bigger club with more expectations he's probably thinking you know I've, I've really got to this is sort of make or break I've got to really mm. concentrate and on the football and and yeah keep my mouth shut off the pitch but he gave like a very mini sort of two or three question um, interview to, to Lekip today and, and they asked him how it's going personally in Marseille. And no mention of Arsenal. He just said, you know, I saw this as a, a good opportunity for me to learn to play in front of a big crowd and, and so far it's going well. So, good yeah, stuff. it's nothing Gross. down. <laughs> Growth, we love to see it. Um, yeah, well, fingers crossed, he, as reported, he does come back and the club do put some more faith in him and, and utilise him next season. That's what Arsenal fans want to see is, is Saliba being used. Um, to round off the show, we obviously were hardly spending anywhere near as much time on Matteo Genduzzi because the likelihood is that he will not be an Arsenal player next season, that there is a loan with an option, but the clauses within that option make it so viable that it will become an obligation for Marseille that it's pretty much a done deal at this stage that there'll be a a figure in the region of nine million pounds coming Arsenal's way for Genduzi in the summer. What have you made of, of him? He's obviously with the French national side that have just won the UEFA Nations League. And he, if he wants to go somewhere and kind of rub it in Arteta's face to see, I am actually this good, he's doing a pretty good job of that right now, is he not? He's doing a reasonably good job. Again, I can sound like I'm overselling him. <laughs> <laughs> I don't, well. Again, I, I mean, it's the same as always with Gunduzi, I think. You know, mm -hmm. on the pitch, he's doing a very good job. Um, again, sort of, you know, because of that formation, he's pretty crucial to to the way that um, Sam Paoli plays because he's that guy who's sort of banging in the middle of the pitch. And, and you know, he's got no choice but to, to be the sort of transition player, keep everything moving. He's mm -hmm. pushing up well. He scored a goal. I don't, you know, he certainly hasn't got many in his career, but it was it was a good finish from what I remember against Saint-Étienne. Um, so, and uh, he's in a way sort of the, you know, the image of Sampaoli on the pitch. He's the guy who's the, you know, the big mouth and the, you know, biting at your legs, all that kind of thing. And as you said, he's, you know, he's, he's captain Marseille now a couple of times. He's, um, he's uh, earned his place in the France squad. I don't think he's played played for them yet, but I assume he still gets his Nations League medal for what that. <laughs> we got um, that for sure. <laughs> but um, again, it's it's sort of the rest of it. So you know, the first obvious incident was that um, uh, the the Marseille Nice incident where the the. Nice fans were throwing stuff and, and um, Payet got hit by a bottle and um, threw it back into the crowd and it caused a bit of a riot. Obviously, Ganduzi was the first guy on the scene just throwing oil on the fire. Um, <laughs> that you can sort of maybe defend and you can kind of say, well, you know, I understand the heat of the moment, yeah. defending your teammate, defending your captain, that kind of thing. But more interesting possibly is that a couple of weeks ago there were, there were stories coming out. I think it was after the last match, one of the last mm -hmm. goals, he ran up to 
Gerson, who's sort of one of Marseille's big summer signings and has not been playing well, looks really short on confidence. And mm. sort of straight after the goal, Ganduzi kind of publicly ran up to him and basically said, you know, are you going to start running anytime soon? And Payet had to sort of break up, of all people, uh, break up. Uh, <laughs> when Payet is the, the kind of the peacemaker, <laughs> something's exactly, wrong. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so he had, yeah, he sort of had to break up a bit of a potential fight. And then following on from that, there was a, you know, one one journalist published a, a story saying that Roman there were Canuti, few... I think it was. Sorry, was it Roman Canuti? Um, yeah, I think it like was for Foot Radio. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Basically, said that um, you know, that there's a few Marseille players who are already beginning to have had enough of his attitude and lots yeah. of kind of theatrical, you know, even in training, if someone mucks up a throw in or, or accidentally puts the ball out, you know, Ganduzi on his knees sort of praying to God, you know, why can't everyone else be as good as me and as dedicated? <laughs> and yeah. So um, I don't know how much of it is true. Like I said, you know, Marseille is always a soap opera, but you tend to think, especially with his past, no smoke without fire. So I think he's one to watch out for. Again, it's all, you know, with so many players, it's that balance is what you get on the pitch worth the hassle that comes off it. And mm. yeah, still one to watch with him. I remember reading a tweet from Patrick Van Arnholt as well about a, a confrontation in the Europa League game against Galatasaray um, with that penalty call that I think there was. And yeah, I mean, it's not surprising, but it's for Arsenal, It's that story's kind of over. The book's kind of closed on Genduzi, and then he will leave on a permanent deal, we expect, uh, in the summer, as I said, for a, a figure for about nine million. If you are talking about a player's raw quality, even as someone like myself who has a lot of doubts about Genduzi and what he would have done for Arsenal, there is no shadow in my mind that he's worth a lot more than £9 million to a side and his market value is, is a lot higher than that. So Marseille are getting a very good deal in that sense and Arsenal and Arteta mainly have kind of done it to themselves by being so... I, I think it's always important to be consistent as a coach, but I think you also need to be objective with players and realise that every individual case is different. And so you may need to give a little bit more rope to certain players and, and a little bit more time and understand the immaturity of some players compared to others. And ultimately, it's cost Arsenal a very good talent that could turn into a great player, but for Arteta's principles, maybe it wasn't worth the risk. Um, yeah, any I mean, final thoughts, though, before we wrap up? Well, as an outsider, I, just, I mean, the two things I would say is, I assume it wasn't just that Brighton match, but yeah, um, if he was being chucked out just because of that match, it would it seems a bit strange to me. There was issues on a tour, I think, uh, in maybe Dubai. I remember in the early part of 2020, no, 2019, I think it might or was it twenty nineteen. I think it was twenty nineteen, twenty nineteen or twenty twenty, whatever it was. But it was early part of a year, and they were on a Dubai tour, and there was an issue, I think, that went on behind the scenes there as well. So. It's, there's been multiple things, but the Brighton one is the, the big one that stands out with the strangling, if you want to call it that. I think it pretty much was a strangle of Neil Mope and then uh, a refusal to apologise behind the scenes. And Football.London reported that he'd been given several opportunities to apologise and that nothing had really, really come from it. So, yeah. And then I he went to I mean, the yeah, and, yeah. a lot From a lot of Brighton fans' point of view, mm. it's more of a sort of you know, the goading saying, I'm a multi-millionaire, you'll never... Yes, that, that also <laughs> happened. <laughs> that, that, another thing, yes. Um, but yeah, and then he went to Hertha Berlin and the coach said there something along the lines of, like, he still needs to go through puberty and something. So, That's the thing. I mean, clearly, yeah. you know, there's been enough of these incidents that there's something there. The only thing I'd say, is, again, as an outsider is, 
I feel like it's a fine line and you know to an extent someone with a bit of a side to them is arguably what Arsenal have been missing since the time of sort of Vieira, Gilberto Silva, that kind of thing, but only up to a point. And yeah, he seems to sort of go well over that point too, yeah. too often. Yeah, sometimes you, you just need to make a difficult decision if it means maybe losing a, a quality player. And we we are really interested to see the rest of his career and there's plenty, plenty of it left to enjoy. And whether it's with Marseille or with another team in the future, it's going to be an entertaining watch for sure. Uh, thank you, Jeremy Smith, uh, for your time this afternoon. Really appreciate it. Tell people where they can That's find you. Uh, so I'm on Twitter, at JeremySmith98. You can sort of find me talking or writing all over the place but sort of most regularly on um podcasts on either french football weekly or get french football news there you go defending the honor of french football that it is certainly not a farmer's league whatsoever <laughs> it's my favorite debate when you get involved in on social media with those i do enjoy them because you have a very solid point um and uh, educate people excellently about the fact that it's actually an ever-increasingly competitive and exciting league to watch. Uh, that's for sure. I mean, if it wasn't so good, you wouldn't see so many teams buying players from that league. That's for sure. We will see you guys very, very soon. Make sure you join us, of course, as always, for the 9.30 a.m. Arsenal Agenda Show. I'm joined by a couple of guests. and Bailey will be joined by a few guests in the next coming days as well. And we've got some really good interviews already out on the channel with the likes of Joao Trellau at uh, uh, formerly of Benfica and, of course, Monaco as well with Thierry Henry that Jeremy Smith will be very much well aware of. Uh, and also an interview of Mo Farah uh, talking about his fandom of Arsenal as well. So make sure you go check out that content. Drop a like on the video. Subscribe if you're new. And as always, keep following us down the Arsenal way.